Hi, my name is Mark, and welcome to the Living Room Podcast. The Living Room is where we have conversations about house church, microchurch, and what it looks like living the everyday mission of Christ. Joining me in the living room today is Joseph Dickens. Joseph uh, is a friend of mine, a good friend. I've known Joseph since, what, sixth grade? Long time. (laughs) A long time. And we've been uh, in ministry together for a long time, just about that same amount of time. And I'm excited to have Joseph in the living room. And today's going to be a little bit different in this episode. We're actually going to flip the script to where rather than me be the one asking questions, Joseph is going to be the one asking questions. And you're actually going to hear Joseph's story in the next episode. He and his wife, Hannah, I share uh, or ask them questions and they share their story. And that's going to be in the next episode. You're going to get to know him in the next episode. So, but for this one, we're just going to let him kind of take over, become the host and ask me some questions. So let's, let's just jump right into it. Joseph, welcome. Good to have you here. And I'm just going to, you take on the role of host. It's all yours. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. It's exciting to be here. I'm excited to do some of these episodes. Um, so Mark mentioned we've known each other since I was in the sixth grade. Mark taught me to play the guitar. He was my youth pastor for part of my time in youth group, which we'll get to in a little bit um, <laughs> until he left me. But uh, no, it's it's exciting. And we thought, you know, ideally, uh, many of you listening to this podcast don't know Mark personally. Hopefully that's kind of the goal is to get this podcast out and be a resource larger than the, you know, local um reach that kind of we and Mark has here in the in the Northern Kentucky, Greater Cincinnati area. So uh, we thought kind of for the first one of these episodes talking to Mark, it would be good for you all to just hear his story and hear, you know, why is he doing this podcast? Why is he so passionate about, you know, living missionally for Jesus and, and house church and, and all of that that you'll hear on the all the episodes of this podcast. So um, yeah, let's just jump right in. So Mark, why don't you just start off, you know, start at the basics. Tell us, how did you come to know the Lord? What was your childhood like? Um, you know, how did it all begin? Yeah, I, it's kind of hard to know where to start, really, I guess. I'll just share that I grew up in a Christian home, I, in a ministry home, a full-time ministry home. Uh, my dad is a pastor, um, so I grew up in, in that stream, swimming in that stream of being a pastor's kid and uh, and heard the gospel, I'm sure, even before I came out of the womb, um, I'm sure that I heard heard the gospel, but uh, it wasn't really until I was 12, 13 years of age that um, I began to really, I think, comprehend my personal need for Jesus. And I, I'll never forget, we were at a vacation Bible school that summer, and vacation Bible school usually goes up to like the sixth grade. So I was one of the older kids, and I'm, honestly, I did not want to be a part of it. I thought I was too cool to be in VBS. I thought that was for little babies and kids. Didn't really want to go, um, but... You know, it's kind of one of those, well, you need to go. You have to, I mean, you, so I end up going that week. And my teacher, her, na- her name was Karen Ashcraft, and we affectionately called her Mommy A. This was in the church that I grew up in, in Mount Vernon, Ohio, Faith Baptist Church. And so Mommy A is my teacher, and all week she's been talking about Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us on the cross and his resurrection. And, you know, I'd heard all that before, but... It wasn't personal, and it kind of came down, I, I, I think, to one of the last days of, v, of VBS. And it was in that moment when really the Spirit, just as the Scripture says, convicted me of sin, righteousness, and judgment, and 
open my eyes to understand, man, I, I need Jesus. I, I know about him, but I don't know him. I, I'm a sinner and I need him to rescue me out of my sins. And so I actually went home from VBS that day and went into or got a hold of my dad. He was home and he was in their bedroom, I think. And so I said, Dad, I need to talk to you. So uh, here we are on the edge of my parents' bed talking to my dad and told him, uh, basically, I need to become a follower of Jesus. I need to become a Christian. And we walked through that again. And so I remember kneeling, the two of us, really special moment, kneeling at my parents' bedside next to my dad and I just praying and asking Jesus to forgive me of my sins and come in and rescue me. And so ever since then, really, um, I really see that as the moment when the Spirit came in and, and changed me and transformed my heart and was baptized I don't know, a year or so later. So I'm curious, growing up, you know, you said your dad was a pastor in the church, you know, you said you knew a lot about Jesus, didn't know Jesus. What did that like moment of salvation look like? Like, how did, how do you think after in that moment you changed? I asked that coming from someone who also grew up Christian family, you know, probably looked a lot like a quote unquote Christian kid before I was actually a Christian. So like, what did that, that look like in, in that environment? Yeah, it's a good question. It feels like so long <laughs> ago, man. Uh, I, I don't. It's hard to remember in some ways what that looked like. I I, I just remember my desires changing um, in a lot of ways. I think I became more sensitive to sin in my life mm. and more aware of it, and the need to confess that and apologize to the Lord for it. Um, I think my desires and, and burdens began, the spirit began to burden my heart with things that I'd never experienced before. Like as I went through my teen years, really began to burden me with the, from the teens and on the youth group that I was a part of and really wanting to minister to them and other uh, students in my high school that didn't know Jesus and went to public school and really had kind of a burden to, to be a testimony there. So I think in those ways, the spirit began to just reshape my burdens and, and make me more aware of and conscious of sin in my life to confess it before the Lord. And, and, and so those are so, some of the things that um, the p- best people to ask might be my parents. <laughs> and just saying, I don't know if we saw much change at all. I don't know. But that, that's what kind of comes to my mind as I remember it. That's good. I think I, I appreciate as someone with a similar story hearing those things, because I think the stories that get, get publicized are these times that you have these dramatic changes, these, you know, crazy moments of salvation and that's obviously amazing and we celebrate that but i think you know that doesn't shouldn't take away from people who who were raised in the church and were raised and and you know just kind of slowly over time learn to follow jesus you know and and i've thought about i've wrestled with that a little bit and 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 wondered you know i remember a period of time even in my teen years, like we would have uh, youth conferences or youth revivals and we'd bring in these speakers and they'd have those stories that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I remember actually thinking, I want one of those stories, mm-hmm. you know, and wrestling with that. And I'm like, well, God, why couldn't you have rescued me out of drugs and all this stuff? And, 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 uh, you know, and, and I'm grateful for how he continues to do that in people's lives, but I don't have that story. That's not the story he gave me, but the, lo- I guess the older I I get, I, and looking back, I realized too, I, I know right now, even with a transformed heart by the Spirit of God, my own personal struggles. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like God, I'm so grateful God saved me when he did, because it's almost like he saved me to protect me from mm-hmm. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm just like, man, I know my struggles now, my sin tendencies now. And God, I can't imagine having to work through those without your spirit. And so I'm looking back, I'm, I'm grateful that he saved me at 12 years of age. (laughs) Super thankful for that. Um, yeah. Anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's good. So let's keep going through your story. So going, um, you know, 12 years old, going middle school, high school was kind of, you know, the, from the point that you became a believer, was it ministry always on your mind or was that, did you kind of have other plans for your life at at a certain point? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting because when I was in high school, um, I didn't really want anything to do with being a pastor. Um, in fact, when I, when it came time for me to think about college and so forth, um, I did not want to go to Christian college. My parents went to Christian college. They went to Cedarville University. My sister at the time was at Cedarville University. Cedarville was the last place on the planet I wanted to go. I wanted to be different. I didn't want to. And at that time, I thought, well, I'll just go into communications and specifically broadcasting. And it's kind of ironic that here we are years later doing a podcast, a broadcasting kind of thing. But that was kind of initially my desire, what I thought would be fun. Uh, people always said I had a face for radio, right? And so you're like, okay. Uh, and and so I, I enjoyed broadcasting or, or thought I would enjoy broadcasting. So I was beginning to look at colleges and really looking at the communications department. And I'm telling you, I wanted to go as far away from home as possible. So, but my but my parents said, we'll pay for your first year of college if you go to Christian college. I'm like, well, okay, I can stomach that a little bit, you know? And it, and and so I began to look at Christian colleges as far away from <laughs> home as possible. I remember looking at one out in Washington state. Now, mind you, I, I'm growing up in central, north central Ohio. So this is, you know, three time zones, I think, away and had nothing to do with the school. It had everything to do with how far away the school was. And and I, I remember calling them and inquiring, okay, listen, I'm really interested in your school. What kind of community, your Christian college, what kind of communications department do you have? Well, we don't have one. I'm like, okay, we'll strike that. So long story short on this part, I, I went to, I think the summer between my junior year and senior year in high school, I went to a camp, Christian camp. And Man, it was as if the Lord really spoke to me through that. I, I don't even remember specifically who the speaker was. It was just the Spirit of God, honestly, just really working in me and began to develop within me this burden for my youth group back home or my my home church youth group. The youth group you were a part of as a yes, student. Yes, exactly. They're in, in Mount Vernon at Faith Baptist Church. And man, that burden to get, began to grow and grow and well up and well up. And, and so now I had this real burden for my own youth group and, and students that I was in class with in my public high school. And that just kind of snowballed into this burden to go be a pastor, specifically a youth pastor, which then, believe it or not, led me end up uh, led me to Cedarville University, <laughs> you know, where, where I majored in um, in biblical studies, or it was really a Bible comp back in the day, years ago, it was a Bible comprehensive major with an emphasis in Christian education and youth. That was actually the name of it. So anyway, so that's kind of what launched me into pursuing like pastoral kinds of ministry. Okay. So mission was to get as far away from home and not go to Cedarville. Correct. You ended up at Cedarville. Correct. <laughs> Good. Okay. So what, <laughs> um, I would imagine growing up, you mentioned dad's a pastor. Now you're at, at Christian Bible University. Right. Um, what was your 
view of like what was church to you at this point if someone would have asked you if someone would have asked you at this time like what is the church or or a question along those lines how would you have described church at this point in your life man um i think i would have known the right answer that i know church is not a building or Right. I, I think I would have known that it's people, specifically followers of Jesus. But I, I think I would have maybe known that, but really I would have seen church as this program, mm-hmm. this event that we went to on Sunday mornings, that we went to Wednesday night church. Church was this thing you go to. Um, and it was um, more of an organization than anything. Uh, I think that's probably what I saw churches not, and that's not necessarily. I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying I, that's that's what I would have, I think, Absolutely. defined a church or seen church as primarily as this organization. You go to, you have programs to meet the needs of people. It's all at a building. You know that would have just been, I think, and that's why for me, even pursuing ministry or full time church ministry. You know, I saw being a pastor as preparing sermons, preparing lessons for students, those kinds of planning events, and everything usually revolved around this building. So while you're at Cedarville, what what are they teaching you as far as what you know what it means to be a pastor, what it means to, you know, do full time ministry? Um, what what uh, impression are they giving you of what that entails? Oh man. Um dude, these are good. These are good questions. Um Man, I'm I'm really super thankful for Cedarville. Our uh, younger son Luke is there. Spent his first year in college there. Um, super th- grateful for that university. Learned a lot, and I would say too, as I think about it now, it, yeah, there were certain things that I learned in the classroom that were hugely beneficial. Learning how to study the Bible, um, learning how to um, one of my favorite classes and probably most practical and helpful classes was. Uh, methods of Bible study hmm. um, taught by Dr. Cheryl Fawcett at the time. And it was just learning how to teach the Bible in creative ways. Um, man, I, I learned so much in that class. I, I think too, relationally, uh, you know, just the impact of building relationships. I traveled with a couple teams from the school ministry teams, and that taught me a ton as far as just how to relate to people, um, how to serve well. Uh, so it's hard to kind of answer that question in some ways with the, here's five things. I think it was more a holistic kind of thing that sure. I was learning, but really, as I think about it, the, one of the things that Cedarville was really great at was getting us connected in, you know, giving us experience in ministry. Mm-hmm. And I remember my first youth group came while I was a student at Cedarville, just part-timing at this local church and four or five kids, you know, and, and learning how to lead a lesson teach the Bible to these kids and, and so forth. So overall, I, they taught me a lot, taught me pastoral ministry classes that I took, uh, just as far as a church business class I took, <laughs> you know, so I th- felt like, I think looking back, it was a good balance between relational and yet organizational sure. in, in, in some ways, but it would have been still through that lens of church is something we go to, it's an event, it's, you know, those kinds of things. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's like coming from the perspective of someone who, you know, very much grew up in a quote unquote Christian bubble, so to speak. Um, I did not go to a Christian college. I went to a state school, which I think was very beneficial for me in some ways in that it 
it got me out of that bubble and it made me see the bigger picture. It made me meet non-believers. I mean, I grew up dad's in ministry, mom's in ministry, always at church, Christian school. Like I didn't know non-Christians really before college. Um, so really beneficial, but I also like now being in youth ministry myself, there's some of like the more practical stuff that I think could have been very helpful had I been in that environment. So, um, Let's see, you mentioned, you know, had your first youth ministry job while you're at Cedarville. So kind of let's use that as a way to transition. Talk about like your early, early quote unquote, air quotes don't work well on a podcast. (laughs) Um, Your early full-time ministry life and um, what that looked like. Like what were the things that you loved about it? What were the things, maybe some frustrations you saw? Where did you see, you know, within this, you talk everything from church business, you know, which is just reality. Like you have yeah. finances to deal right. with and all that. And then you have um, preaching sermons, you have discipleship. Like were there specific areas within that that you really found yourself gravitating towards or more passionate about than others? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I In time, I think coming to understand some of what those those passions were, I, you know, looking back on it, I'm, I'm so thankful for the experiences that God has brought me through and given to me over the years as it relates to just, just shepherding people. I mean, I look at that first youth group, uh, in Springfield, Ohio, Bethel Baptist church, right. And cut my teeth really on that, on that ministry. And those kids are so, so gracious, but man, I mean, just from, you know, just dealing with people and dealing with just all that stuff and early on. And, and, and so I was there for, I think, two years and then became a full-time Christian education youth pastor at Cornerstone Baptist in Springfield, Ohio, and was there for about four and a half years. And there, I mean, I again, so thankful for the pastor that, that was there, Brad Davis and his ministry, he and Julie, and their ministry to Andrea and me and that whole church really still very dear to our hearts. And and just, again, learning some of the organizational side of things of church. And, you know, that's where I learned to really preached and uh, got experience doing that, got experience kind of creating a children's ministry, you know, and some of the organizational pieces that come with that, at least back in the, in the mid-90s now. <laughs> and what year were you born? 90. Yeah, so you would have been five, I think, something like that. Crazy. So, yeah, so you know, I lo- I'm thankful for that that four those four and a half years there, and you know, learning to. We had one youth group, and then that youth group grew in Springfield to where you know we learned how to transition that into a junior high and a senior high, and so all that. But mainly, man, when I look back, it's the relationships that God, you know, really connected us with. And and what's crazy now is is the senior pastor at Cornerstone Baptist in Springfield was a kid in our youth group back in the day when I was at Cornerstone. And so just to see the fruit that God has given us through that those years was great. And then, but you know, at that point, I really didn't know anything. Church was still to me what we were doing. That was church. And then moved on from there to uh, Calvary Baptist in Covington, Kentucky. Again, super thankful for the relationships we have there and had there and the different pastors that I got to serve with and serve under. Um, but really to kind of transition, you know, when we were there, I could sense a spirit doing something in me mm-hmm. to a point to where I'm like, I, I would be at the office at the church building all day 
almost 12 hours a day on some days. You know, I'd get to work, get there, do my church work. And then we had uh, sometimes Monday night, we'd go out visiting. And then Tuesday night, we did this program for the kids in the local community. All those those things are good and great, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and have their place at times. But for me at that time, I'm like, man, I am at this building almost every day, mm-hmm. every night. And... And my wife, Andrea, you know, she's there in the in our neighborhood having all these conversations with neighbors. And I'd come home and she's like, yeah, I had this great spiritual conversation with this person and this person. And I just began to get really envious and jealous of that to the point where I'm like... I, I feel like we need to pause okay. and back up and you need to tell everybody about your wife and how you guys oh, met. We, yeah, we okay. kind of blazed right through that, but she's a very important part of your story. So. Uh, she is the important part of the story, really. Uh, there's Jesus, then, you know, Andrea, obviously. And so, yeah, well, I met Andrea at, at Cedarville. Uh, we traveled on a singing ministry team called the, <laughs> called the Sword Bears. Um, yeah, uh, anyway, so... And it was great. Uh, still some great relationships came out of that season. Obviously, and you married one Yeah, of <laughs> absolutely. For sure. Good one on that. Yeah. So so we met at Cedarville and um, got married. Uh, she's a couple of years ahead of me. So um, she had already finished college and took a full-time. Uh, she was an education major, took a full-time teaching job while I finished up school and so forth. And then, uh, yeah, so just to kind of maybe fast forward and then we'll get, then we'll yeah. rewind. Fast forward. We have four kids. Grant's 21. Luke's 19. Aislinn's 14. Soon to be 15. She'll be 15 Sunday. And then Kate's 12. So God has really blessed us with, with our kids. And uh, so anyway, that's, so we've been married 27 years. She is a rock. She is uh, just, man, she's the little missionary that could. I've learned so much about mission and so much about living like a missionary from Andrea. Uh, and that's that's the honest honest truth. So anyway, so I don't know. Is there anything else you want me to? Hit? No, I just I just thought we should go there. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Anyone that's good. who knows Mark and knows their family personally knows Andrea is just as amazing, if not more amazing. So oh, um, she's more amazing. That's <laughs> at, there's no question about that. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it. So anyway, we'll, yeah, go, yeah. we'll jump back back into the future. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah she's, good. She's at home, you know, meeting neighbors. Yeah. Do, yeah. Doing kind of guerrilla ministry on the ground there. Um, you're you're kind of stuck in a building. Right. Absolutely. And so, and it wasn't like it was bad. I mean, the youth ministry at the time was really going great. I mean, it was, we we're seeing a lot of teens reached, a lot of great things were happening even at the church. And um, it, it was good. It was a good season of ministry, yet I could not shake this like holy discontent mm. that the spirit was doing in me. To where I, I would go and I, we would do these things as a youth group and they were great and I loved I loved the kids uh, and and loved the people that I, I got to serve with there, but I would just I could not shake this discontent and to a point and it just bubbled to a point to where I'm like is this the only way we can do church hmm. there because I just got so frustrated in my own spirit with man everything's happening at this building but. Are people really living on mission in their neighborhoods? Mm. Why isn't that happening? There seems to be maybe a little disconnect. Like, why do we always have to get them to a building? What do you know? And so all these questions, it really started with a ton of questions. Like, why this? Why this? Is this the way it is? All this stuff. 
Um, and so that began, those questions just kind of led me on a silent or quiet journey uh, of, of looking at, to the point to where I came, okay, let's just go back to scripture. If all we have is scripture, and I know it's kind of hard to just, sure. you, you bring a ton of your own presuppositions and experiences into things, but I tried as best I could. What if I just went to the book of Acts, just with the scripture and said, what if we tried to just do church? What if, what if the book of Acts, what if the New Testament was not just a only principles and practices? What if, what if there's actual patterns that we as the church are to follow hmm. when it comes to church? And if we follow those patterns, what kind of impact could that have? You know, and so I, that just, you know, kind of sent me on this journey of just reading about the first century church. Um, all the time, the spirit is kind of wrestling in my soul with this discontent and uh, and so forth and so that was that was probably a two-year journey just kind of behind the scenes really and that, and and I want to say this it's not because the ministry I was in or the youth group was frustrating it, it was just it was great and it was just something that God was doing in me um, because I was being frustrated with, I don't have time to be a Christian. <laughs> like, yeah. I just don't have time to be a Christian in my own neighborhood. And that was frustrating. That was wrong. I saw that that's not, that's not right. I don't think that's right. That's, you know, God's called me not just to be a pastor. He's called me to be a Christian, to make disciples. And I'm getting home exhausted. I, I don't want to spend time with my neighbors. And there's something wrong with that. Well, I think that's important to say, because so from... You know, Mark mentioned we'd known each other for years. I, Calvary Baptist is where Mark and I met. Um, and I think that's important that you bring that up because, I mean, I, I have said for years that outside of my parents who shout out Bill and Melody, they're Hi, amazing, Bill and Melody. amazing mom and dad. Yes. Um, but outside of them, like your influence and, and specifically, especially at that phase of my life, like that youth group is a huge reason who I am, you know, of course, outside of Jesus too, but is it is a huge reason who I am today. So I think it's just important that you say it's not that it was all bad. Like there was very good things happening there. And I know I can speak for several of, of my friends who I'm still friends with today that I was originally friends with in that youth group setting that like how influential and impactful that was for us. Um, and let me just say this real quick too, Joseph. I, I think, you know, I just took, talked to Luke Tolley. Hmm. Just last week, something that God put on my heart was just to reach out to some of these guys who were in that youth group or were in a youth group. I reached out to a, a guy who's a youth pastor or who's a senior pastor now in Iowa who was part of our youth group at the church in Springfield, Ohio. Mm. Just something recently the Lord's kind of impressed. Just call those guys, no agenda, just tell them I'm proud of them, so forth. So to your point, you know, and here's Luke and Tom, those two guys that are in ministries that are very more traditional kinds of churches, and God is using them greatly. And so, um, yeah, to, to your point, it's it's there's guys there, you know, that are now serving the Lord and being fruitful and and so forth. So, so from my side of the story, then, is I'm I'm a sixth grader at Calvary Baptist Church, <laughs> um, and and at the time, you got to think this is like early two thousands you know, youth group is the cool thing if you're a Christian kid. Like, you cannot wait to get to youth group. And the youth group at Calvary Baptist Church was a cool youth group, and everyone was excited about it. You know, we had the the merch, we had the sweatshirts. It was called Vertical. <laughs> oh, I could not goodness. wait for seventh grade. Then this happens. 
dun, dun, I dun. go to vertical youth group once, like the first the first Wednesday night after sixth graders were promoted. I don't know. Seventh hold graders. on, hold on. I don't even know if I, I don't think I've heard this this story. Like well, I don't think I've heard this perspective. So this is so, new to me. Okay. Yeah. Good. So I go once. You know, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I'm down in the big youth room now. That's the the coolest room in the church. One Wednesday. <laughs> The first Wednesday after being promoted out of the elementary program at the church, Vertical announces they're starting a new junior high ministry for seventh graders and eighth graders. So I get one Wednesday in Vertical and then I'm told, okay, there's this new, which was great, honestly. Like it, it ended up being amazing in the, the middle school. Do you remember the name of Jump? The, yeah. Yeah. Good. Absolutely. Good and it was awesome. It, you know, I got opportunities to start serving in, in middle school that I wouldn't, you know, as a middle schooler, been able to do in, in the high school youth group. But then. I finish eighth grade, get to vertical again. And what was it like six months later, Mark announces that he's leaving. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, man. You know, it all worked out in the end, but yeah, I, it doesn't I, sound like it all worked <laughs> out for me. And for I'm you. not bitter. I promise. <laughs> yes. No, I say all that to say, so you, you end up getting to this point where, um, you leave Calvary Baptist, you leave the, the youth ministry there yeah. and, let let let's go there next. Where did you go? What yeah. what kind of more specifically? I mean, obviously you mentioned this kind of holy discontent growing in you with just yeah. how you're what you're called to versus what you're currently doing. Um, where does that lead you? Well, l- let me turn the page back a little bit because I think that will that will help okay. kind of propel us into this next chapter. I I think during that season of discontent of holy discontent where i'm on this journey right of reading scripture and reading books about church and is there another way to do this right that frees the church up to live like christians in their own neighborhood and be the church uh so while i'm reading all of that and 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 doing that um the spirit was revealing to me really so and i've said this to people sometimes god shows you what it isn't before he shows you what it is and so during that season, I was I really asking the Lord, Lord, what what are you what are you doing? Do you what do you want me to go do? Is it something different? And so, you know, during that season, it, it was as if God was saying, "Here's what it isn't. The next thing that I have for you is not another youth ministry." And so I knew that. All right, I I, I kind of knew that early on. So then what is it, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not, I, I'm one, I don't like surprises. I don't like unknowns, you know, so you can see this already being a good journey for me because I have a lot to learn. And so, okay, now I know what it isn't. It's, God is not calling me, not using this holy discontent to call me to another youth ministry, but what is he using it for? What's he want me to go do with it as far as what I'm learning about the church and so forth? And so I began looking at, do you want me to be a senior pastor someplace and take this, this burden of organic house church, pattern of church, equipping the church to be the church, to live on mission like missionaries? Do you want me to take that into an existing church and help them? Do you want me to start a church someplace uh, from scratch? I'd never done that before. You know, so all those things are going through my head. Do you want to just go overseas? I've been on several mission trips. My wife, Andrea, is a missionary kid from Brazil. She was born there, grew up there. We've been to Brazil a couple of times. So I'm thinking, man, I'm willing to go to Brazil. Long story longer, uh, you know, all all of a sudden it ends up really through a a couple other events. And I don't need to get into those, but... um, well, I, let me, let me, I, I do think I need to share one. I was on a trip with our college students with Pastor Andre Roosh. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Andre Roosh. Um, 
And I got to go as kind of like a van driver. Like they needed someone to go. I'm like, dude, I'm all in. And you get to go to Passion, which is Louis Giglio. It's Chris Tomlin. Back in the day, that was like, you know. The pinnacle. it, It was to just be. And I get to go. I don't have any responsibility. I don't have to oversee teens. I just get to go drive a van and hang out. But all that, this is happening during the season, right? Of discontent. God, what are you calling me to? And I remember it's at Nashville at the time. And so we drive down to Nashville. It's a great, great weekend. And I just decided for whatever reason, I'm sure it was a spirit, just stay back in my room while uh, in the hotel room. And the hotel we were staying at was like across uh, across the street from wherever the Passion Conference was. And I remember very distinctly, um, and this is why I feel like I need to share it because it was part of the journey. Uh, I remember being in the hotel room and going over the window and I pulled open the curtains and I could see Nashville, mm-hmm. like straight on. If, but if over to my right was this arena filled with Christians. That's great. That's that, Okay. But in my mind, I'm like, here we are, a bunch of Christians in an arena, yet this entire city needs Jesus. Hmm. What are we doing? And again, it was just another thing that that, that discontent it, that like that the Spirit was forming in me. This, and maybe it's now shifted to burden to actually leading church and equipping the church to be the church, intentionally living on mission like missionaries and planting house churches like we've seen throughout the New Testament and first century. So God was using that to where I'm like, man, I broke in that moment, like just wept. And so I remember now coming away from that conference going, okay, God, I think I know what it is. You want me to go live on mission intentionally, and you want me to equip people to do that and, and you want us to do it together. I just don't know where yet. We end up in Ireland. <laughs> okay. All right. We just fast <laughs> I'm sure forward. There like, were a lot of big decisions. Yeah, there were. Yeah. Two. Like I go home but, and I tell my wife, Andrea, I'm like, hey, I think God wants us to go do this. And I think at that, and, and during that conference, they were talking about the mission field. And I wanted to go, the spirit would just put in my heart to go to a place where there weren't a lot of missionaries and kind of start from scratch and do this thing. And it was less for me about, about a place. Okay. And it was more about a, a burden that God put on my heart for church. And so place didn't really matter too much to me. Like some, you know, I hear some people say, well, God's calling me to Africa. God's calling me. It was more what, it wasn't so much where God was calling me to go to a place, kind of like Abraham, just go and I'll show you when you get there. That's kind of how it was for me. Just kind of like, no, here's the burden to go equip the church, to live like the church and be the church and free them up from all the, you know, the trappings, if you will, of church, that the obstacles that are keeping us and just go do that. And so... That I went home, talked to Andrea, and I we called up the president of one of the mission agencies we're familiar with, and I told him, I said, hey, here's what I'm thinking. Where do you recommend we go? I remember asking that mm. question. That's then when he threw out Ireland. And so went through the whole process of um, applying to be full-time current missionaries, did the year and a half of going around to churches all over the country, it felt like. Um, I don't even know how many places we went and raising support end up in Ireland um, with our, our three kids at the time, Grant, Luke, and Aislinn. Grant was maybe eight, I think, at the time and, and so forth. So that's, that's how we end up in Ireland. So what did, in Ireland, 
I know you've you shared a little bit about this with me, so I'm kind of leading you here. What what was different about church in Ireland, and how you know what worked essentially in Ireland than what you were used to in the states? Um, I think in Ireland, Ireland really, and this is what I'll usually say to people: say I knew how to be a Christian in the American context of church, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how to be a missionary. And and looking back on it, right, I went with these dreams to Ireland and this vision, we're going to drop the rock and raise the flag, <laughs> right? And all that stuff. And those of you that listening that were part of that journey, you can chuckle with me on that one. <laughs> and, and and I get that. And, and, and it's true. And that's what that was our intent. That's not to make fun of it. It, it. it was just, that was the burden was to go and see the spirit of God through the gospel, just change people's hearts. So but, you know, Ireland, God used Ireland really to, to slow me down mm. and to teach me a lot about just the importance of relationships. And like I said, I knew how to do church here, but I didn't know how to live like a Christian here. And there's a big difference. And I think there's a lot of people that know how to do church, but they don't know how to live like Christians. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge difference with that. And so God had to strip away all this churchy stuff for me, which I knew how to do well. I was comfortable in that. Um and put me in a place where it was all brand new. They maybe spoke the same language, but everything had different meanings. And so really, to an- I think to answer the question, it was different in the sense of you just had to learn how to build relationships with people. Mm-hmm. You'd learn, you had to learn how to live like a missionary and where you're going to the same coffee shop every day. You're talking to the same barista every day. You're going in there. You're having the same, you know, you're visiting the same sandwich shops. You're, you're, you're having neighbors over. You know all those different things. So it really taught me, um, really how to how to live on mission for Jesus. Not because I'm a missionary, not because, but because I'm a follower of Jesus and with a mission on purpose. And so I look back and I really believe that it wasn't that God took me to Ireland because Ireland needed Mark. God took me to Ireland because Mark needed Ireland mm. to learn how to live like a missionary wherever God took, wherever God placed him. When I think. I was hoping you would say that because I remember you saying that in the past about like the coffee shop. And I think that's not to jump too far ahead to the, you know, spoiler alert about the the applications and kind of the takeaways from it. But I think that's so, so that's something that, that, you know, God essentially had to take you to Ireland to, to get you into that mindset and learn. But that's something that we now at, at Living Church talk about all the time is it's it's not always about this, you know, tent revival or this big program that we're going to do for this certain type of need. It's about, you know, go get some coffee, but do it with purpose. Like go to the same coffee shop and make sure to have a conversation with the barista because that's how you build relationships. And I mean, we have people who've become believers and are part of our church because their boss at Chick-fil-A was talking to them about Jesus. And then we have people who, because that person became a believer and she started talking to her coworkers at Chick-fil-A are now believers and baptized and following oh, right. Jesus. And I think that, you know, that's it, man. Not again, I'm jumping ahead to to kind of the end game, but I think, you know, God took you to, like you were saying, Ireland didn't need you specifically. I mean, yes, Ireland needs Jesus and they need somebody to right, tell them. Right. But, but I think looking at kind of where all that's gone, like so much of, from my perspective, so much of what going there and kind of getting you out of this, church traditional church world that you'd been raised in made you learn stuff that now has been applicable here back in Cincinnati. Absolutely. And and I'll say this too, another thing that's coming to my mind is just the importance of prayer. 
when it mm. comes to living out the mission. I, I remember there were so many times in Ireland, I was so frustrated. Like, God, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not seeing any movement at all, right? And, but I only knew my scorecard was, my. I only had one kind of scorecard for for ministry. It was, you know, butts in the seat and whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and that's all, how you defined it. And, and, and it was just like, well, how many people are in attendance and all this stuff? And well, there, man, there's, that's, you got to change your scorecard. I remember one missionary telling me that you cannot have the same scorecard. It changes. And so God had to teach me how to have a different scorecard when it comes to being effective for him. And one of those things was just praying. I remember specifically just so frustrated that I'd not had a gospel conversation with someone in a really long time mm. since we had lived there. And I remember saying, God, I just, would you just give me somebody that I could talk to that just, it doesn't even have to be about you, just something where I know you're working. And man, I remember going for a walk and I, and I remember out for this walk, just praying, talking to the Lord. And we were in driving school, you know, in Ireland, they drive on the other side of the road. And so we were (laughs) trying to get our driver's license over there, which is super hard. And so anyway, so we're in driving classes and we have this driving instructor, Barbara, and so I'm out walking and I pass this person. You ever, I don't know, maybe you can relate to this, where you pass someone and as soon as you pass them, you think, I think that person looked familiar, but you're not really sure. And they've already, you've already passed them to where now it feels like it would be super awkward to go back and check to see, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's <laughs> like, a, do aw- I know you? <laughs> like you have a moment, there's like a split second moment, maybe three seconds where you can flip around, hey, and check without it being weird. I've passed to that moment now. <laughs> So, but now, but I've prayed, I've said, Lord. And so I'm like, I'm going to go for it. So I walk back around. It is Barbara. And I say, hey, how are you? And we end up walking and just talking. And man, God just opened the door for me to just kind of share why we were there and just how it's about Jesus. And man, I just went home that day, just so thankful to the Lord for giving me that opportunity. And so all that to say, just God was growing me as as his disciple Mm -hmm. And just that whole frustration, that discontent of not being able to live like a Christian in my own neighborhood, I didn't know how to do that. So God took me to this place to teach me how to do that. And I'm so thankful for that. So obviously you're not in Ireland anymore. Nope. Um, I remember, you know, I remember the, the, the time when you, you know, were preparing to go and um, I should say too, it was like, I was joking about how Mark kept leaving me, but it was actually like thinking back to that time was really cool because while you left the youth group, you still had all this time of raising support. And I just remember, you know, myself and, and the others in our youth group that were close to you got to kind of witness that as well. And, and to, and I mean, we didn't have money, we were kids, but like be a part of that in the sense of, I never remember Calvary had a big send off for you at one point, big yep. reception sort of thing. And, um, so I just wanted to know, like, it was all on good terms. I didn't want make, <laughs> to make people think that it was like this horrible thing. But right. you're not in Ireland anymore. And I, I remember, you know, when all that was happening, you were looking at this as a, a lifelong decision. Obviously, yeah. knowing God can take you oh, somewhere yeah. else. But your plan was like... We sold everything. We're moving, yeah, we're moving yeah. to Ireland for good. And it obviously wasn't for good. So so what happened? Why why is that? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and probably a whole other episode, I'm guessing. But, I, you know, we loved Ireland. We loved the people there. We loved the ministry. We had got started a uh, kind of a 
a young people, a 20 something Bible study in our home, almost like a house church. We didn't think of it that at that time in our home. Uh, and we, man, are building relationships with our neighbors. It, it was just such a good season, a good time of ministry. And God was growing us and teaching us a lot. And, and, and like you said, our intent was to, we thought we're going to be there forever, man. That was, we're going all in and we had sold our home and sold all kinds of things, took very little thing, few things with us. Um, and then, you know, while we're there again, it was just kind of like this, this, are we able to do what this burden here and through a series of different God, God just working in us and working in other circumstances, it came down to really a decision or, you know, if we stay here, I'm not sure if this burden that brought me here, I can do here hmm. in this context and not so much Ireland, but maybe with the people and an organization that we were, all those different things and and so it kind of came to a point for me, I kind of use this analogy where I liken it to like, hey, you know, you're in a relationship with someone, a young lady, and, and you want to get married. You both want to get married. But at some point in the journey together, you realize it's not going to be with each other. You both want the same end result. It's just not going to be with each other. And that's kind of how it was for us. Like we realized it's just not going to be with this organization. And so that left us to make a decision. Do we stay? And that we felt like that might burn some bridges, unnecessary bridges, and and so for the kingdom, and so we said no, let's just we'll just go back, and so we came back to the states again with less than what we went there with. Um, so at this time, Kate, our youngest, was born in Ireland, and so I get my four kids and my wife on a plane with some bags, and we head back to the states with no job at the time, no home, not really knowing where we're going to live. Uh, and for somebody that doesn't like the unknown and likes to have a plan, you can see God using this, continuing to use this in my in my life to to grow me in my dependence on Him. So you get back to Ohio, because um, I'm I'm guessing this is an important part of the story. You're you mentioned you don't have really anything and you don't have a job yet Correct. lined up. Um, I think it's safe to say you probably were pretty confident that going back to just a kind of traditional full-time paid pastor role at a traditional church wasn't, not that there's necessarily something wrong with that, but for you and what God was calling you to, that wasn't in the cards. Right. Um, But your whole life so far, your paycheck has come from ministry. Right, right. So what do you do? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good question. I I think to back up a little bit, I, I, the, this burden on that God had put on me was so strong that it became an obedient, an obedience issue for me. Hmm. Like to not follow through on this burden of church and became so deep that I knew that if I didn't, I had to go with it. I had to go for this and and it'd be better for me to go for it and fail at it than to not go for it at all. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of, it, it, it. you know, I, I was like, I got to do this. And if it means I fail, so be it. I'd rather fail at it than not than not do it at all. I knew it was an obedience issue. So that's why, honestly, that's what put us on the plane was, I, God, I, I've i got to be true to this burden and vision of church that you've given to us that I see in your word and want to be obedient to. Um, and so, yeah, we get on a plane, come back. I had not had a non-churchy job in years, maybe even since high school. <laughs> um, probably so. I'm trying to think of what that was. Like maybe stocking shelves at a retail store, maybe, I think. Uh, and so here we are, I've got four kids, a wife, you know, and we're living in an apartment in Fairfield, Ohio at the time, north of Cincinnati. Man, I, I was doing, I was, the family went to Virginia to stay with Andrea's parents who were in the States at the time. And I just bunked around with different people that I knew in the city, 
putting on my resume and all I had was like church jobs, right? <laughs> but God just provided in that. I worked uh, at uh, Convergis in Northern Kentucky and trying to fix people's AT&T cable boxes through the phone, which was disastrous. <laughs> I actually ended up quitting because... That sounds terrible. It was awful. <laughs> and it was awful for the people who stuff... I mean, and if you know me, I'm not a fix-it kind of person. I'm the last <laughs> guy you want to call to try to fix something. And here I'm trying to fix someone's cable t- box through the phone, right? Through a phone call. And I remember one one day... Getting uh, talking to this elderly lady on the phone, she called in, and I'm trying to fix her remote, which wasn't broke before she called me, mind you. And you know, you get on your screen kind of these different things to try, and I'm like reading her all these things, and then I'm like, and it's not helping, so I go off road, horrible idea. (laughs) And I'm trying to wing it without any script or anything, and I'm like, hey, try this. So she tries, I'm telling her this over the phone, bless her heart, and she tries it, and she's like, now my remote won't work. I'm like, I'm done. I am so done. up the phone? I, I don't know what I did, but I, in that moment, I probably apologized over and over. And I then I went to my supervisor said, I can't do this anymore. I'm actually breaking people's stuff <laughs> when they come and I'm breaking it over the phone for them. This isn't right. This is not my job. I just in good conscience couldn't stay there. So anyway, that led me to look at other jobs. I end up with a full-time uh, commission-only sales job for a commercial cleaning company in the city. And worked with them doing that for about three years while we were kind of moving back in and starting this organic church, which is now Living Church. And so let's let's go there. I okay. know we're we, we've been talking for a while, so let's get up to current. So yeah. you're you're back from Ireland, you've got the you know, figuring out the job situation and, and now what, twelve years later, eleven years later? Yeah, somewhere in there. You're the head pastor of Living Church, which is a movement of house churches in the greater Cincinnati area. So you know, you come back, you've got this this organic vision of living on mission, um, you know, just living intentionally, not getting weighed down by the, the busyness of church. Yeah. How does that, how do you go from that to living church? Oh, man. I, uh, it's a good question. Again, I'm sure that's something you can wrap up in like three minutes, <laughs> tell the whole story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Um, you know, it really, it just, again, that burden, it had to start with, with me just living on mission. It, it, it wasn't about, it was just about Andrea and me and our family. Just let's just live like missionaries. You know, I, I tell people I'm not really doing anything different now than I was doing when I lived in Ireland as a quote, unquote, air quotes, quote unquote, missionary, right? I'm still a missionary. I'm just a missionary in a different place. So for me, it was, it, it wasn't anything different. Let's, now I've learned how to be a missionary. I yeah. go to the same coffee shop, have conversations with neighbors, invite neighbors over, take gifts over to people if you find out they're having a baby or whatever it might be, and just be a good, loving neighbor. And so, you know, we came back and we're now kind of living or swimming in that stream of really living like missionaries here. And so, and we were, had relationships with some other believers, other followers of Jesus that were doing the same thing or wanting to do the same thing. So we kind of got them together and said, why don't we just pray? Let's just have Mm -hmm. prayer gatherings once a month. And that's really kind of how this whole thing started here locally was we would meet in our apartment in Fairfield or different places and just do a monthly prayer gathering and just asking God, God, what do you want? And, and so that's kind of how that, so here you have these prayer gatherings going on. You have our family and others that are beginning to now, 
live on mission, live like missionaries. And, and so then from that, you there was already kind of a house church kind of taking place out in Pendleton County, Kentucky, and with some friends of ours, the Fergusons. And so we connected with them and they were a big part of, of, of the of, of living church and and that whole scene that we started with the prayer gatherings and so forth. So prayer gatherings, and then that just kind of rippled out into more prayer gatherings, which led to Bible studies, which led to gatherings and so forth. Absolutely. And I think it's, you know, I've had the privilege of kind of being part of Living Church very early on when it, after it was kind of becoming an official thing. And just thinking about how God brought people together, it's it's totally of God. You know, there was Absolutely. never... There was never a building that people just showed up at. There was never signs or marketing materials sent out. It was just God moving and bringing people together. For example, myself, who I at the time was working at the Apple store in Cincinnati, a friend of mine that was in the vertical youth group back in the day who didn't even live here anymore was in town with his mother-in-law buying an iPad. And I had kind of, I mean, I'd been keeping up with, you know, on Facebook with kind of, oh, I knew Mark was back in in the States, but we hadn't really like stayed one-on-one in touch. And so this guy comes in, happens to be in town, happens to be buying an iPad for his mother-in-law, happens to come in on a day I'm working. We get to talking. He's like, oh, hey, I talked to Mark the other day. He's got something starting up. You should give him a call. So I think I give you a call. It's like maybe, I don't know, a few days later, we meet for lunch at the Kenwood Town Center food court. And I think, you know, the next week I was at a living church, something or other. And and there's just countless stories like that of, of people that... You know, it wasn't a matter of this big advertisement. It was just God bringing the right people at the right time. Yeah, there was um, no launch date. There was yeah. no launch service. There was no core team. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything like in my world of church, like church planning world, man, that's what you, you build a core team. You set a launch date and all that stuff. There was none of that. With I'm not saying that's wrong, but for us, it was just, it wasn't about the event. It wasn't about starting a service. It was not about starting a gathering. Mm-hmm. It was about making disciples. And that st- happens in the context of relationship. So let's just build relationships. Let's pray. Let's share the gospel. And let's just see what the Spirit does. Absolutely. And I think, we, you know, we could talk for hours about the past 10 or so years of living church and all the things that we've seen God do. And I think, you know, that's kind of our intention with these episodes is to maybe get more into the weeds on different, more specific topics around kind of, you know, how, how we do things here, the ways we've seen God move, cool God stories. But um, for the sake of today, I wanted to also ask you about this, the, the Living Room podcast. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody makes it to the Living Church website, they'll see this thing, the Living Room. And I know, um, obviously, you have a heart for living missionally in a house church and all of that. Um, and like I said, we'll, I think we'll probably talk a lot yeah, more about that in the future. I think that's a good point to make. Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else for today that you kind of want to touch on there? No, I I think you're saying it, Joseph. I really think, you know, that's, we want to hold off more episodes so we can get into those weeds (laughs) because I think that's helpful for people. And I will say this, this was coming to my mind. Just a lot of people at times in this 10-year, 12-year journey, well, where'd you come up with this thing of house church and model? And and I think I've said this in previous episodes too already, not like we've had a lot of episodes, but, (laughs) you know, so far. But I'll just say it again. It wasn't that I read some book. You know, I'm like, oh, that seems cool. Let's try it. Man, it was just seriously about going to scripture and say, what if we actually tried to be a first century Mm -hmm. church in the 21st century? What if we actually tried to be that? 
and let's just go for it and see what happens. And so it was taking the patterns and the principles and practices of the first century church that we read about in scripture. So this is biblical. And let's try to incorporate that in how we live and even in our structure as church uh, here in the 21st century. And I know it's it's not it's not apples to apples here. Mm-hmm. I get it culturally, but that's our that's our heart. The heartbeat is to equip the church to be a first century church in the 21st century, living out the mission of making disciples of Jesus and multiplying churches for the glory of Jesus. So anyway. Well, I think it's, yeah. And I think, and you know, spoiler alert, we've already, the, the episode with me and my wife that Mark mentioned, which has actually already been recorded, but you'll, <laughs> so you'll hear you me say, say that because this is something that is kind of a pet peeve of mine is like, we don't get so focused on calling it house church because then I think it just becomes another model. Right. It's just another, you know, you have mega churches, you have traditional churches with steeples and you have house churches. And that's not what we're about. Like, yeah, it looks like that a lot. And it's probably the easiest way to kind of identify it in the church leadership world. But like, it's really just about living on mission. And even within, you know, our little living church world, we, uh, you know, Mark has a house church with what, 30, 40, 50 people right. sometimes meeting in his home. My house church on a consistent basis is at eight. And so I think that just shows that it's not about them all looking the same. It's not about a model or a specific, you know, programmatic way of doing things. It's about living on mission and whatever that looks like in your context with the people you know is is what we're about. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. I, it's so much of my church life became about where the structure drove or the structure became the purpose. Mm. What we're trying to do is let the mission become the, be the purpose. And then the structure is more of a support to help us live the mission. You know, I got to bring up the trellis. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So it's, are you bringing it up? <laughs> I'll just say, go so, for it. You go so for it. So an analogy that we use, and it's kind of become a almost a joke among our leadership team, but is, is the idea of a trellis and that you don't build this giant trellis and hope the vine grows. You let the vine grow and then only build as much trellis as is needed to support the, and support the vine and keep it healthy. And so, you know, the idea there is that, that in this thing, it's not about a house church model that's copy and pasted everywhere. Right. It's about letting the church grow in your neighborhood, in your community, and then only adding as much structure and, and, programs, so to speak, as are needed to keep it healthy. Yeah, And and, and obviously there's structure that we see in organization in scripture, Absolutely. right? The, the, the structure of, of pastoral leadership. And so within house churches, we believe every house church is its own church. So within living church, you can't just, you've got to be a biblically qualified pastor to lead a house church within living church, because that's a biblical structure that we see. And so, but the goal is the mission drives the, is mm-hmm. the purpose, right? The mission, that's it. And so, and, and there's that t- constant tension yeah. with that because, you know, I'm always defaulting to structure. So uh, you have to kind of really fight against that in a lot of ways so that the mission is the purpose and you're, the structure then is to support the mission. But a lot of church world, it's the structure and I don't think it started out that way. I just think the tr- structure then has become the purpose. And mm-hmm. so now you remove the structure, which structures aren't even biblical. And wait, you're messing with church. Well, no, we're not. Yeah. Depending upon the structure we're messing with. But you know what I'm saying? So, Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's an important thing to, to bring out when it comes to 
not just living church, but just church in general. Mm-hmm. Make, and that's for living church. The mission is driving our our structure and driving our purpose. The Bible is driving our mission. <laughs> Let's start there. The Bible is driving our mission, our purpose, and our structure. Absolutely. Okay. So that's that's a lot of the details we'll get into yes. in the future. So, but I do want to make sure today before we wrap up yeah. that we talk about this podcast in the living room, and you know, that's it's it's on the Living Church website, but it's kind of its own thing as well. It's mm-hmm. a, a resource. You know, we don't really make an effort to broadcast Living Church at, on a large scale. We don't really try to get, you know, our sermon podcast out. We don't do big social media stuff. Um, but this is something that I think we do hope spreads wider than than just the Living Church local thing. And so, like, where does that come from? What's your heart in this? What is the Living Room as a whole bigger than this podcast? Yeah, the living room really began out of COVID in, in a lot of ways. And, and, you know, COVID really caused church leaders to have to rethink church, and I think in a good way. And so early on in COVID in 2020, uh, around March, when a lot of things here locally were shutting down and in the Midwest, you know, I was I would get a call from a pastor and be like, hey, I heard from so-and-so that you're doing this house church thing. You've been doing it for so long, man. I'm God's really burdening me to do this, but I've never done this before. Can can I? Can we set up Zoom calls together and and just can I pick your brain on stuff? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, one turned into two church leaders. Two turned turned into four. Four turned into eight. And so that you know, kind of slow on the uptake. I'm thinking, okay, God, maybe are you doing something with this? Maybe we need to put a little structure to this. <laughs> which uh, led to really a monthly Zoom call with these leaders. And and so that's really what it is now, a monthly Zoom call where I get with some of these leaders. Some of these guys are church planting and they're planting through the lens of church, organic church, micro church, house church. Other guys are guys that have been pastoring their church for 10 plus, 20 plus years. And they're trying to shift now the church more toward missional or organic or house church primarily though by equipping their people to live like missionaries so you've got all the which i would imagine is almost more difficult than oh, starting I, from I, scratch I, I, absolutely i think it is without a doubt and so now you've got these so that's who's on this call you've got people from indiana from ohio kentucky louisiana uh, all the way to nepal you know <laughs> the, the country of nepal so after talking to several of these guys, I, I we just said would it be helpful for all of us after, talk, after talking to these guys individually mm. Just asking them, hey, would it be helpful for if we got all of us together for a call? And so that's kind of where the living, we thought, well, well, it's house, it's organic church, let's just call it the living room. And so that turned into a monthly Zoom call, which has been really helpful, a great resource. That then rippled out to um, this podcast, talking to these different church leaders and others. They're like, man, I just wish I had a resource for the people in my church to help them learn how to do this. And and so we thought, well, God, is this what you're doing? Do you want us as living church, you know, this, to kind of be a resource to help the church? And so that's really kind of the posture of the podcast is to just be a resource to network church leaders and people in churches and churches to really be equipped and living like a missionary and then get into the weeds a little bit about house church, micro church, organic church, and how to do that. And, and hopefully giving some training wheels mm-hmm. for people so that they can ride this bike of living like a missionary and learn how to do that well, remove the training wheels, and then teach others to do the same. And it all comes on just – it's really just about equipping the church to make disciples, man. I mean, 
I'm just my bur- I just see that the, the church has reduced the mission of Jesus to being a disciple rather than making disciples. And the podcast exists to help elevate that mission back to its rightful place, to equip the church to make disciples and to do that by living on mission and living like missionaries. And if we can help churches, church leaders, people sitting in pews and chairs every Sunday, learn how to live the mission of Jesus and embrace that missionary identity. And this can help do that man all the more. Yeah. And I think, um, Kind of the last thing I would say to kind of wrap us up today is, is if you're listening to this, if you somehow stumbled across this episode, um, this is not a church leadership podcast um, in the sense that this is not something for full-time paid pastors to learn right. how to, it's a great to point. do ministry more. Um, definitely could be helpful for someone in that setting. But, you know, it, hopefully you've heard from, from Mark's heart and his story today that all of us are called to live on mission. This isn't something for someone with a title or someone with... Um, you know, a paycheck from a from a ministry. This is something for every believer. That we're all in neighborhoods. We all have jobs. We all have communities and circles that we run in. That we, by default of being followers of Jesus, are called to live on mission in those communities. And, you know, I think what I hope is, you know, people get from from this podcast, not just this episode, but this podcast, is just practical tips. Um, just the little ways that can start those relationships and build those relationships and the, the little things that you may not even think to do because, you know, it doesn't cross your mind that all of a sudden you're like, wait, that's a great opportunity to, to meet someone, to share Jesus that, that, you know, it's, it's not even that hard. It's just doing it and thinking about what you're doing and doing it on purpose. You know, go all the way back to the, the coffee shop in Ireland. It's not hard to go get a cup of coffee. You would have probably gone to get a cup of coffee in the morning either way. Cause you right. need your caffeine. Like, but while you're there, do something. Like do something for Jesus while you're there. Talk to someone, buy the person's coffee behind you and then ask if you can pray for him. Like, right. it's just those little things. And I think, you know, as, as you know, I've already listened to the first couple episodes with, with Kyle and Jeremy and I just knowing, you know, the people you're going to talk to in the future. Like, I think there'll be so many practical tips from people that are in all different walks of life that hopefully the people listening will, will be able to identify with someone, relate to someone in a way that just sparks ideas and, and ways to, to live better for Jesus. And I'll say this, and and we can maybe wrap up. Yeah. I don't know if you've got no. other questions, but uh, you know, it really comes back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter four, verses eighteen through twenty, and he's calling the disciples for the first time, and and he says, "Hey, I want you to come follow me." And then he says this, which I think is often overlooked. He says, "And I will make you fishers of men." And so Jesus, yes, is calling them to be his disciples, but as his disciples, he's also revealing to them his purpose, a mission, right? He's making them into something, and he's making them into disciple makers and, and into missionaries. And so my hope through Living Church and through this podcast and even through my life and my story that people walk away, listen— your role as a disciple is to not just be a disciple. Jesus is making you into something. Mm. He's making you into a missionary. He's making you into a, a disciple maker. And and that's an exciting journey to be on. It's an I mean, every day is a mission trip. You know, and, and so man, I just want I, I my heart and passion is for the church to embrace their missionary identity. I just feel like if we if we could get the disciples that are man, just embrace that. Then look, I think there's a movement waiting to happen.
a spirit movement. And then I think you've said before, like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. Absolutely. First. When someone asks what you do, you are a missionary. You're not a, you know, a, a barista. I don't know what we keep going to coffee, but <laughs> you're not a barista. You're not a mechanic. You're not a salesperson. You're not a realtor. You're a missionary that also happens to do that for a paycheck. Right. And I think just for me, reminding myself of that in all areas of my life is so helpful. Not at all that I'm perfect at it, but it's just a, a way of thinking about things that my primary purpose here is to live for Jesus. And then there's other things that I have to do because it's the world that I have to make right. a paycheck and I have to, you know, support my family financially. But my primary purpose is to be a missionary. It's, it's absolutely begins with identity who mm-hmm. Jesus is making you into, right? He's, he's saved you. He's rescued you out of your sin, but also to give you a purpose and a mission. And I think, man, just, just embrace your missionary identity and, and, and live that out. And you're so right. It's, I am a follower of Jesus with a mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's exciting to see how God wants to live that mission out through you um, as you embrace that, your identity as a missionary. Well, we should wrap up. I know normally you ask your guests to yeah. pray to close us out. So why don't you pray for us? Yeah, yeah. Let, let me let me do that. And before I pray, let me ask this question to those of you guys that are listening in this episode. Listen, what's a takeaway? What's something that's come to the surface for you just from hearing uh, the story today, from, from from hearing my story in this episode? What, what's maybe an action step that you can follow up on? I want to encourage you to just don't let that stay in the world of, ah, I think I'm... I might do that. Go do something. Maybe it's just go to the coffee shop tomorrow and, and with a purpose. Maybe it's have that neighbor over with a purpose, whatever it is. But, you know, I don't want this to just stay in the world of great ideas. It, it's going to being a missionary means moving and, and living out the mission in action. So what's coming to the surface for you? Be obedient to what the spirits bring to the surface. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to just follow you. Thank you for rescuing us out of our sin through the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, and his resurrection. What a glorious, um, what an exciting privilege it is to be on your mission. And it really is your mission, and and you've invited us to be a part of that. So thank you. Thank you for Joseph. Thank you for those that are listening today. God, I just pray that you would... um, remind them of what you've done for them through the gospel and that uh, you've saved them, um, yes, out of their sin and brought them in a relationship with you, but with a purpose. And that is to do this, to proclaim that message and to make disciples. Lord, forgive us for reducing your mission to just being a disciple and give us a burden by your spirit to live that mission out and to be disciple makers. Teach us continuously how to live like missionaries, Lord. We love you. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for listening and joining us in the living room today. If you found today's conversation helpful, pass it along. You can find episodes of our living room podcast conversations at living-church.com or anywhere you find podcasts that matter. Until we meet again here in the living room, make much of Christ, make disciples living the mission of Christ, and multiply churches for the glory of Christ.